Hi, and welcome to the Authentic Audience Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Ritma. This is a marketing podcast like you haven't heard before. It's about real connections and honest conversations. Why am I here? To remind you that you can fly. If you're brave enough to listen to that calling inside you, I'm here to serve you and show you that marketing can and should be honest, that the truth sells and authenticity wins. So how can businesses and brands build a real and authentic audience? The Authentic Audience Podcast gives you insight into growing your business and marketing strategies to gain real followers and loyal customers. Each week, I create a space of radical honesty for thought leaders and entrepreneurs who have built successful businesses to share their insights on business, marketing, relationships, life, and spirituality. Each episode is sure to remind you the power of storytelling and truth selling. Get ready to get real, get raw, get honest, and keep growing. Danitha Doe is a Jamaican Ghanaian American entrepreneur, journalist, economist, manifestation teacher, and the creator of Money and Mimosas. Money and Mimosas is a financial well being resource enjoyed by readers in over 50 countries. Danitha was named a personal finance expert by Time, Fast Company, and the Wall Street Journal. She was recognized as a millennial thought leader by the Hong Kong Institute of CPAs and a millennial entrepreneur to watch by the Office of Congresswoman Barbara Lee. Danitha is the star financial expert in the Webby award-winning TV series, Going From Broke, produced by Ashton Kutcher, which garnered over 12 million views. Her work has been featured in Entrepreneur L, the Chicago Tribune, Cosmopolitan, NBC, and more. A former NFL cheerleader turned money maven and entrepreneur, Danitha believes that charting your own path is the key to financial freedom. So obviously for everybody listening, you know why she is here. Uh, Thank you for being here. Welcome. Thanks for having me, Krista. I'm excited for our conversation. Oh, me too. I've been stalking you all morning, so I'm ready to dive in. But first, uh, what's happening in your world? Where are you? What are you doing? Tell me everything. Yeah, sure. So what's happening in my world, like everyone else, COVID-19 has lifted the veil and um, introduced opportunities that I didn't think were possible before, both good and some more challenging, uh, but we take it all. So for me, what that's looked like, me and my fiance decided to take on the digital nomad life. So we moved from the Bay Area and we're just bouncing around. Uh, I like to say luxe, luxurious digital nomad life, because <laughs> I, I realize that people have different definitions for this. We are renting Airbnbs. Um, and so right now we're in Bend, Oregon, and I'm absolutely loving it. I needed to be in nature. My central nervous system like immediately exhaled as soon as we got here. Um, and that's, that's been so amazing. I exhaled just hearing you say that. Um, it's been something that I've been really focused on. I had a serious burnout uh, happen for me towards the end of May, early June, and nature has been uh, – the thing that's really brought me back to life, um, as well as antidepressants, but also nature. Um, so yeah, I can totally relate. And my husband and I definitely do a similar, uh, digital nomad, but Lux, uh, life. So, um, I have actually not been, this is totally crazy. I've lived in California for so long, North of like Eureka, Hmm. And so I'm dying to like go up to see Portland and Bend and just Oregon, Seattle. I've never been. So Pacific Northwest has been calling me. But um, anyway, uh, my first question for you is what is your why? 
my why? Oh, that's an interesting first question. I, I like to give myself fluidity when it comes to lots of things. So my why, there's a core to it, but it shifts depending upon the season I'm in in my life. What I'm passionate about and what I feel my gift and my medicine to bring to the world is um, healing relationships around money and also through that deepening one's connection with themselves. That is what I find to be the richness of life in my own personal journey of really getting to know who Danitha is, like Danitha with a capital D, the higher self Danitha. Um, and that's, that's, that is what gets me up in the morning. That's what drives me that that's my like that's my why um and it looks different depending upon the season of my life but yeah that's that's what I why I do what I do I love that we have a we have a common um thread there my one of my whys is helping people heal their relationships with marketing and selling um and money is a huge part of that so one of my courses actually has a whole section where we talk about selling. It's called the seller's mindset. And, um, you know, we're met with this resistance around money so, so much in, in the work that I do. And it's one of the reasons why I was so drawn to you. Um, what do you think that it is about money? That's like so sticky, so uncomfortable for people. Um, like, why is it such an, an issue specifically, I think for women, but just people in general, like there's, it's like almost triggering or brings some sort of discomfort when abundance is like, in my opinion, so beautiful and amazing, even though I struggle, you know, too, with everything from not charging enough to, um, undervaluing ourselves to just having this sticky, uncomfortable relationship with money. Yeah, it's interesting. That's definitely a question I ask myself consistently, probably more so than the the regular person, just because this is my work and I'm really fascinated by people's relationships with money. Um, one, yes, it helps their own personal situation. I know on a collective level, until individuals heal their relationships with money, we'll continue to see vast, vast, economic disparities that are toxic and harmful to large groups of people. Um, so to answer your question, where I'm at now with that is I keep coming back to money is taboo, just like sex is taboo, just like owning some of our shadow desires are taboo. Uh, we talk a lot about that in Money and Mimosas around the concept of money, sex, and power. They they all live in the same chakra. If someone's open to that um, way of looking at the world, looking at themselves. Um, so money, hmm. sex, and power are very taboo. We do not talk about it in society. Now, why we don't talk about it, there's a lot there, a lot of reasons there. But um, I feel that's it's like anything, any relationship, you know, we're both in a romantic relationship that's committed, depending upon our definition of what that means, but it's a committed relationship. And um, if we don't talk about things in that relationship, it, and then something comes up, that's a trigger to that thing we're not talking about, it makes it really tough to work through it. So similar with money until we start having honest, intimate conversations 
about money. It's going to continue to be a sticky point for folks when they're thinking about what should they charge? How should they build their business? How can they feel comfortable asking for their worth? Until they get comfortable really talking about it, it's going to be a very sticky, sticky subject. Yeah, I just, I recently, um, thank, thankfully, I have a really great team and um, my operations gal specializes in finance and accounting. And I recently had a, my first finance meeting where I didn't cry. Um, it really brings a lot up, you know, and I think we have all of these other triggers for me, you know, I can only talk about myself in this way, but for me, it's like a lack of worthiness. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. And so money, you know, attaching our worth to either success in our business or our bank account is something that I'm really working on detaching from. And I find that the more I detach from that, like I do this whole meditation where I talk to my business, I separate myself from my business, I'm not my business. And um, it's helped a lot. It's helped a lot. Um, How do you, you know, start working with people or what are some of the ways that you help shift that um, mindset or begin to have those conversations with people that you work with about money? Sure. It's interesting. So I've stepped away from doing one-on-one private group training. Good for um, you. Yeah, there, <laughs> there was a lot of reasons for that. Um, and thankfully, yeah, I was in a fun, I had built enough of a platform brand to be able to do that. Um, although that's not to say that someone can't do it without having that brand built, to be very clear. You just have to make the decision that that's what you want. Um, with that said though, whether it was, you know, previous clients or we do a lot of content now to hopefully give folks the tools to walk themselves through this, um, worthiness is a big part of being able to attract abundance, to feel abundant. And so our mission is to elevate your self-worth and net worth. And that usually starting there is a light bulb moment. For folks because they never attach self-worthiness with their net worth. And to be clear, self-worth doesn't mean like what's in your bank account determines the value of the person. The definition of self-worth is self-esteem, confidence mm-hmm. in your own skills and ability. And so that's an easy connection once you like see someone put that together, like, oh yeah, the more I believe in my value, my I have confidence in my abilities oh yeah, of course that makes sense that that will impact my bank account positively. The flip side, if there is room for growth around self-worth, then yes, you will see the negative impacts of that when it comes to your net worth. Um, So starting with that, that's usually a a great light bulb moment for folks. The second thing that I, I share is that money is energy. Yes. And that is something like even me who's in this work all the time, I consider myself a student as much as I am a teacher. I continually have to go back to that fundamental truth. Um, it's money is a, an exchange. It's an exchange of love. It's an exchange of your gifts. It's an exchange of your medicine and vice versa. Someone else can be giving you love, gifts, medicine through that financial exchange. And so seeing money as energy helps broaden the perspective of how money impacts you. It impacts you physically. It impacts you spiritually. um, If that's a word that resonates with folks, it impacts your overall well-being. And so um, once 
someone starts to see money from that perspective, then we can start really having some conversations around worthiness and, um, and why there's a lack of worthiness. And we have to start there though. Money is energy, self-worth and net worth are, they're tied together. Yeah. I was smiling when you were saying that because I say that all the time and it's nice to hear an expert, a money expert saying that because um, we're a spiritual group, this community that we're talking to. And um, to me, the exchange of money is so sacred um, and I don't take it lightly. And as a small business owner, I'm either getting paid or paying somebody basically at every moment in the day. Um, There's either money going out or money coming in. And that exchange of it, I have a podcast episode called Give Them All Their Money Back. Um, Because if it's not clean, um, I don't want it. And it's just this really powerful sort of realization light bulb that went off for me. I would say, like, I'm almost embarrassed to say how recent, um, probably within the last two years, I've really changed my mindset around this. And it's like magic. And I I like that you talk about magic because when you can actually get into that, it's hard, right? Like it's easy to launch something with a strategy and an email and an ad and an action item, but the mindset, now that's the thing that like you can't fake. Um, you actually have to believe it. And when I started actually believing that money was sacred, that money is energy, that, you know, this exchange of my services, my gifts, my experience, my um, insights, uh, expertise is of value and is going to transform this other person. And, you know, this whole thing, the abundance just it's kind of amazing. And same thing with, you know, I'll lose, like I lost a really big project recently and it was very stressful. Um, and then our PPP loan, uh, you know, came through for the exact amount. And it's like this really beautiful energy, but I think it's hard when you're like in the depths of financial stress or, um, you know, business, your business isn't doing well and you have these tough decisions. Like, are you going to lay somebody off, like affecting other people's lives? It's hard to like stay in that mindset when stuff is hard, when it's going well, it's like, Oh yeah, money's at, you know, it's energy and this is great. And abundance is real. But when it's not, that's when we have to have the tools, um, to really remember. Yes, it is. And I, I love to use the, the analogy, though, with romantic relationships. Anyone who's in a committed long-term relationship knows that the beauty that comes is usually after some tough experiences together. It's rare that, you know, you go on this amazing trip and everything's just, just beautiful and loving, and then you both grow from that. It, it, that like, those are nice experiences, but the growth within the relationship happens when you're at an impasse or like it's clear that you two are missing each other completely Mm -hmm. and then you both have to do the inner work to see it for what it is and then talk through it same thing with money as challenging and I've been through my fair share of challenging financial situations that's not to downplay and that's not to say that they aren't tough um and there is beauty in those experiences because that's really where you get grounded in your own belief system, what you know to be true about money. Um, and that's where I gained a lot of those tools was when it was, it was really, really challenging financially. Yeah. So yeah, I think the best decisions I've ever made 
personally came from heartbreak and professionally came from those low moments. So it's just hard when you're in them. You know, I always come out of them. I'm like, oh, I'm so glad that happened. And sometimes when I see somebody going through a really hard time, even in business or relationship, I'm almost jealous because there's this rawness um, to that, that again, you can't fake. And um, I just think it's so beautiful. So thank you for sharing that. Um, my last question about money before we switch gears is about financial well-being. You talk about this a lot and I just kind of want to unpack that and like, what is financial well-being? What does it mean? How do we achieve it? Like all the things. Yes. Well, financial well-being, your community is probably already aware of what it means to them. Sadly, the financial industry is starting to catch up with spiritual and abundant-minded folks. Um, so financial well-being is the concept of you are in a position where you feel confident in your ability to create a financial. You feel confident in your current situation you feel that you have the ability to make decisions that allow you to live, um, enjoy life, whatever enjoying life means for you. And, and then you have the, you also have the finances that you need to be able to cover expenses. Now that definition seems like, yeah, of course that makes sense. That's financial well-being. Uh, unfortunately, that definition didn't come about truly until 2017, when the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, which is the governmental agency that basically tells credit card companies, hey, you've got to tell Krista how much you're charging her in interest. Like they're the ones that protects us as consumers. In 2017, they released a report stating that financial well-being needs to be the goal of any financial education efforts. No longer is financial literacy the goal. Financial literacy is just the idea that you can memorize a definition of a word. The bureau says, no, how someone feels about money actually matters, which is huge, which is huge um, for a couple of reasons. I just want to be crystal clear about why it's so huge. It, it opens up the door for feelings, emotions. So bringing us back to our body when it comes to money, a lot of times we intellectualize these things and we really need to feel it, especially as women. Um, and then two, it opens up the, the option for subjectivity. So how I feel about money, what makes me feel like I'm enjoying life is likely going to be slightly different than you, Krista. It's likely going to be even different than my fiance. Me and my fiance have different ways of feeling what enjoyment um, means. So that is life. It, it completely changes the financial industry that the Bureau has declared that this needs to be the focus. I didn't even know that. That's huge. So how has the financial industry changed since 2017? Hopefully good, good things. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't feel good right now, but. Well, the financial industry is slow. Um, and for, for a lot of reasons, I mean, <clears throat> there's an element of, there needs to be, there needs to be, we need to be methodical as financial experts, right? Because um, we, a lot of people will hire a financial expert to be the one that kind of keeps, brings them back down to earth and says, yes, you have all these amazing ideas, but who's going to pay for it? Like that, it takes some time. And that's the gift that financial experts bring is that they ground people 
um, in reality. And so with that, though, with that, though, I mean, what is reality? That's a whole other rabbit hole to go down. I feel but- like we could go on so much. <laughs> You're saying so many things and I'm just like nodding like, okay, we can't, we're going to have to have like a part two and part three of this. <laughs> yes, this, um, everything that I say, there's always like more to it, but to keep it, yeah, within our, our there's a time. lot of, there's a lot of depth and we're going to get there, but as much as we can in an hour, but I can just feel like all the layers and, and everything you're saying and it's, yeah. Yeah. So to answer your question directly, uh, change will be, change is starting to happen. I mean, there are folks like me that have been talking about this for a while and now we feel empowered with this data to be able to go into like, you know, Google invited me to talk to their team about this concept though, about this concept. Um, and that concept was, is backed by the Bureau. So there are things that are slowly shifting um, because of it. it'll take some time, and right now is a really tough, tough time for a lot of people. There's a lot of uncertainty, and a lot of heartbreak, and a lot of stress and anxiety. Um, and so uh, that's unfortunate. And now we have this definition, this backing from this governmental agency to say yes, it does matter how people feel during this time period. Um, what a concept. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> no, that's great. That's, that's, I mean, it's just if, as somebody who runs a business who feels like I should know more about money at all times, you know, it's just been something that I've shied away from for so long. Um, and my husband and business partner was basically doing it uh, growing up. My dad did it. And then I just sort of pushed it away until recently. And my operations girl, she just uh, changed my world. She gave me spreadsheets. She, you know, showed me visually through a story um, how my energy and time was affecting my bank account. And so that relationship is healing. And I'm excited to talk more about your course a little bit at the end or your program because I, I'm excited to join. I think that um, healing our relationship with money, like we said, it's so much deeper than that. Um, And calling it healing a relationship with money is like, you know, it's, I tell them all, I tell people all the time, sell them, sell them what they want and then give them what they need. And I feel like that is a lot of probably what your course is about, if I am assuming correctly. So um, I'd like to switch gears and talk about white women and shame. Um, I've been reading your Instagram posts and following you. Um, you know, I, I watched a bunch of your videos and read a bunch of your posts. Um, there were two quotes that really stood out to me and I want to unpack both of them. Um, because it really kind of like made me like, is she talking to me? Um, Mm -hmm. wonder. And so I appreciate you first for talking about this subject with me. Um, I'm very grateful that you want to go here because I've been dying to. Um, the first one, because I'm deeply spiritual and we hear this word spiritual bypassing all the time. 
Um, and I'm constantly, you know, I like to think I'm a very self-aware person and I'm constantly checking in with myself and my spiritual practice. But what you said, how your spiritual bypassing is blocking you from a experiencing abundance. And this was in your last post actually about your friendships with white women. Um, and I was wondering if you could talk to that. I think a lot of my white women friends this summer have been doing that intellectual learning, um, you know, signing up for courses, reading white fragility, this, that, and the other, joining Facebook groups. But um, you were talking about then actually living it um, versus just intellectualizing it. So there's a lot there that I just asked. So I want to talk about spiritual bypassing specifically within friendships. And then if you could talk a little bit more about, um, that post that I'm referring to. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I just posted that today. Yeah. So that post, um, where do I want to start with this? Let's start with abundance. So the idea of abundance is yes, financial. That's a clear one, like the money in our bank accounts. That's a form of abundance. There are lots of forms of abundance. There's abundance, feeling good in our body is a form of abundance. Our friendships, especially as women, is a form of abundance. And I want to quickly unpack what that means. There's a lot there. Why that is such a form of abundance, though, is because there is a, a life force exchange between women, particularly in a friendship container. And that life force is sexual energy. That's something that we talk a lot about. This life force is sexual energy. And it's even if it's a platonic relationship, there's that exchange. And so um, that abundance is only available to someone when you're intimate with the other person. That's the only way you can truly connect with someone else. And how can you truly connect with someone else? Well, you have to first truly connect with yourself. And what white women do, and this is part of their conditioning, and I'm happy to talk about a part why that is, you know, in a shorter condensed version. Um, But part of the white women conditioning is this idea that they have to check the boxes. They have to be right. There's a perfectionism there. And it's almost like everything's a test. Like we're still in the classroom and it's like, no, this is life. Like sometimes you don't, get an answer. Sometimes there are lots of answers. Sometimes you have to be at ease with the mystery. But because white women are so conditioned to be perfect, their idea of perfect, and um, check these boxes, that leads them to intellectualize material that really needs to be felt in the body. And so with anti-racism and anti-Blackness work that thankfully more white women are doing, this is new though, for this to actually be a conversation. I think a year ago we wouldn't necessarily have had this conversation on your podcast. Um, I think you're right. (laughs) Yeah. The work that's being done now, yes, it's a great first step. And it is being done in the head. Mm. No one is feeling it in their body, which means you can't empathize. The only way to empathize with a friend who's of a different color, different race, different background is if you can empathize with them. And the more a white woman feels that she has to check the boxes and be perfect and say all the right things, the, le- the less likely she is willing to be vulnerable and really show up as a friend. And to give some concrete mm. examples, 
so someone can see this for themselves, see themselves in it. Because that's why I share these posts. They're they're very personal. They are yeah, people I, that I know. Yeah. And that's why you felt like, oh, is she talking to me? Because that yeah. it's yes, I am. I'm talking yes. to you. I'm talking to every white woman. Um, and these particular friendships, these were friends who were leaders in their own right, in their own community around anti-blackness, anti-racism work. Um, and they've been on that path for a long, long, long time. And I started to realize though that they were not showing up in that way in our friendships. How did that wow. show up? Tinges of jealousy. I couldn't share certain financial wins with them. Um, they would undermine my expertise. They would question um, how I was able to question my success in slight and sneaky insidious ways. I had to be very present to catch these things. And, and that is what white women do in all relationships, all friendships until they truly embody, unless they embody this work that they are now studying, you will be a toxic friend. Mm. And you will miss out on that. There's so much beauty and richness in being vulnerable with your girlfriends, right? And, yeah. and until that happens with girlfriends though that don't look like you you're gonna miss out on incredible abundance yeah i think that that's such a key point is girlfriends who don't look like you because i'm thinking of a girlfriend right now my best friend and we look like we could be twins um we had a very similar upbringing um you know in a predominantly white community on the east coast and um I was thinking as you were talking about intimacy, I was thinking about her because she's the one friend that I have that with. Um, and then as you were talking about these jealousies and these other little things that white girls do, I can feel that in a lot of my friendships with white women. Um, and then you took it to the next layer of saying, how do you have these intimate friendships with friends who don't look like you? And I think as women, like my friendships, that is my worth. I feel like that is my, I always say I'm rich in friends, you know, or I know I'm doing well when I look around me and I can see like how many real friendships I have. My whole thing is truth and authenticity, but I feel that, um, and you're right in saying that we probably wouldn't have been having this conversation a year ago. Um, because I was like living in my little bubble. I was living in my little white girl bubble in Santa Cruz or San Francisco, um, dealing with my own shit and not looking at the bigger collective that was suffering and needed healing, thinking, oh, well, that's not me. It's so me. Um, I've, you know, it's so me. And I've only begun to like chip <laughs> like the top of the iceberg of this conversation within my community, within bigger communities. and. And I just think that looking at our friendships and our intimate relationships are such a huge piece of that. And even looking at, um, you know, friends or people that I've been hanging out with that say things that I like maybe have let slide in the past or wouldn't have called them out on, um, I'm finding myself more uncomfortable. I'm finding myself more and more uncomfortable, um, which I think is where exactly where I'm supposed to be right now as a white woman. I don't think I'm supposed to be comfortable. Um, I've been comfortable for 
you know, thousands of years. So, um, I'm excited and ready to be uncomfortable. And how do we bring people along with that journey, you know, along that, on that journey with us? Um, I also want to talk about white guilt because I feel white guilt. Um, and I don't want to, I've had multiple friends of different races tell me my white guilt is not cute. And, um, like I have very honest friendships and I'm very grateful for that. But you talked about, and, um, talking about, you said one of the damaging effects of white guilt is the disconnection to your intuition. And that hit me so hard because my intuition is everything. And I also feel that I struggle with or have white guilt. Um, I've recently, become more and more excited about the idea of my privilege and it not being a bad thing. And if you have privilege, you can use it. And I had this really beautiful conversation with a guest recently about privilege and the definition of that. And I'm getting more comfortable with that, but white guilt, I still feel all the time. And can we talk about this and what you mean by, um, disconnecting from your intuition? Sure. So to take a few steps back um, to help just frame the, the answer to the question, there is a level of cognitive dissonance that white women are going through and will continue to go through for a long time. And the reason why that's present, though, is because white women have this idea that they have to be good. And then their definition of what good is, is, is flawed. But they have this idea that they have to be good. And anything that challenges that is immediately either met with violence, um, and that can be emotional or psychological violence, um, or it's met with just complete dismissal that this cannot be me because I'm a good person. I haven't mm. done anything bad. Like, I care about the planet. I care about people. Like, why are you saying that my privilege is something that I need to look at? That that means I'm not a good person. No, I'm a good person. They want to hold on to this idea of good. Um, and so the first step is recognizing that you can be, you can have good qualities and hold privilege. Like there's a both ands here, right? Like I can be, I can care about the planet and I'm also an American that also destroys the planet. Like there's a both ands here. Um, so that's the first step that is the, like the first layer. And then the second layer beyond that is then, you know, shame and guilt. And we, that's a, a conversation around the difference, but in terms of guilt, why I chose guilt specifically instead of shame is because guilt will bring up what um, this philosopher, um, Carolyn Elliott calls fake feelings. So she's the mm. author of Existential Kink, which is a really great deep dive into someone's unconscious self. Um, and the unconscious is below the subconscious. These are things that you don't even admit to yourself because you don't even know it's there. Um, and so what guilt does is it brings up these fake feelings. So if something challenges your idea of what good is, your guilt, although you want to do something about it, this other feeling will come up within you to say, no, 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 that's not me. That's not me at all. I don't want to look at this. I don't want to touch this this challenges everything that I know to be true. Like the idea that bootstrapping, you know, the fact that maybe I didn't bootstrap my way up to success. Maybe I, maybe I didn't earn all of this. Maybe my parents didn't earn all of this. Maybe my mom was lying about, you know, this, 
the tough things that white women have gone through, like, well, what does that say about me and my mom? Do I even really know this person? Like, there's this whole rabbit hole that comes when something challenges your I- identity, essentially. And right. then guilt is present, um, basically, to it, it's a... It's a form of protection, although it it doesn't actually help you. Um, And what that does is your intuition can't speak to you then Mm. because it's blocked. Those fake feelings arise to block you from, wait, what's the gift in this moment? What is this person like actually giving me right now? They're really making me feel uncomfortable. And there's something here with that. Your intuition is trying to tell you, but that guilt is going to mask it, say, no, 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 no. Cause it's challenging your identity. It's challenging your yeah. ego essentially. And the um, ego is so loud. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. so loud. Yeah. So that, that's the, that's what happens though when white women aren't willing to do that type of work. Um, the guilt is present. Like they know they have privilege. Um, but if they aren't willing to own it and then be uncomfortable when when someone challenges their i their sense of identity around it um yeah it will block them from hearing that little voice that little voice will get louder the more you allow it to speak to you um but until then it it'll be really quiet yeah yeah i think that for you know for me what what has come up a lot throughout this is feeling like you just nailed it. Um, I want to do the right thing. I'm doing the white girl thing of not wanting to fuck up, not wanting to say the wrong thing. Um, and then realize saying nothing is not the way to go about it. There was also a really interesting thing that happened. Um, white women were hating on white women a lot on social media. Um, at the very beginning of June, like middle of June, um, a lot of the people that I work with as a marketing coach have these really big followings and they were trying to do the right thing as white girls do and were getting so much hate. And it was actually from other white women, which was just like totally a whole nother um, crazy thing that that went on for me as a white woman, um, trying to do the right thing. And I think that's it. Therein lies the mistake right there is trying to do the right thing and trying to check that box and be the good person. And, um, for me, I, I feel that I'm an empathetic person. I feel everything like the whole, um, I've just felt awful in a whole, and that's not cute either. Um, you know, that's not helping either. So, my my bigger question for you is um if there was an action that could be taken like by me today or somebody listening today that's like i feel that she's talking to me i'm listening i care i'm ready to do the work i want to do the work is there any like one two three action that you would say that's a start like that's <laughs> that's at least you know going in a direction of um, you know, really starting to look at why um, we're not willing to look at some things. Yeah, well, the first step I would take will, li- will likely be an answer that's not comfortable is 
why do we need action steps? <laughs> why do I need a checklist? That's something to just unpack for yourself. <laughs> I'm going to give you some action steps, but that's the, that is the question. <laughs> No, totally. I get it. I get it. It's like, yeah, that's a, that is a question to ask yourself. Though. It's like, so deep. Yeah. Where does that come from? And I want to expand on that a little bit because I, I didn't been in the space for a long time. I've worked with white women for a long time. I grew up in all white areas. I know white women better than I know themselves. <laughs> um, and a lot of it, we know collectively a lot of this comes from the patriarchy. When it comes to an individual white woman, it's really usually the relationship with father is something to unpack. And a lot of times, this isn't for every white woman. Sometimes it's the mother wound that they, that's their opportunity for unpacking. But the father wounds I've found really lends to that desire of wanting to be good, wanting to check the boxes, wanting to do the right thing. Basically, you know, like, tap and dance to get his approval and his attention. So that's why I posed that question, because there's a lot there um, if someone's willing to really dig deep and really, really understand where their wounds are, because that's where the light will shine through. Mm. Um, so that's the first question I would invite someone to ask. The second one is to look at your friendships. I love that you highlighted that this is present in white women friendships, because it is. I see it. There's a lot of mean girlness and it's not, it's so toxic. And if we truly want to be women supporting women and truly elevate and liberate women, we have to look at our friendships. Um, so I would say the second question to ask yourself, maybe it's not your best friend because they're, maybe it is the best friend. I'm not going to assume, but uh, start asking yourself the question of, Am I showing up as a true friend for this person? Can I truly be happy for her? Like, say she just scored a million-dollar deal and you're struggling financially. Mm. Like, what's going to come up for you when she shares that news with you? What is it? There's, there's going to be something. I'm not going to put myself on a pedestal and say that wouldn't happen for me. So look at that. Look at that. And ask yourself, where is that coming from? Why, why when I say I really want to support women, I can't do that with my, my good girlfriends? Yeah, that recently happened for me um, with my friend telling me she was pregnant. Um, I had this like gut reaction of fear of, well, maybe I won't be able to get pregnant or maybe I should get pregnant sooner. Or like instead of just being able to fully support her, um, I had that come up. And I definitely feel that, you know, I, I am willing to look at that. Um, and I was willing to observe like, wow, that was a pretty unsupportive reaction I just had in my heart or in my head because your heart can't be unsupportive and, um, how I can sort of work through that. And that's a lot of the work that I have been doing is looking up what comes up. For example, when I look at your posts, when I read your posts, talking literally to me and um, just sit with it. And for me, the biggest realization that's come from reading your words and from this conversation is the willingness to get it wrong um, and to not be perfect is really something I want to work on. Um, 
in my business, in my friendships, in my relationships, in my podcast interviews, I think I want, I want you to see me as a, as some person, like I want to like almost prove my, I almost wanted to do it to you. And then I stopped. You were talking about something and I was like, oh, I want her to know I'm this, this, this check, check, check. As you're literally telling me that that's what white girls do. That's what I'm thinking in my head. Like it's unbelievable. And so I was like, she doesn't matter. Like just build a connection, like put, like, this is a platform to showcase her and her gifts. And it doesn't matter at the end of the day, if she knows that you're da, 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 da. Um, and that needing to constantly prove in every area of my life is hurting me. Um, especially in supporting black women and uh, the Black Lives Matter movement and white fragility and everything that comes along with that. Um, and my business, like it, everything. Everything. It's all the abundance, all of it. You're all friend, of the abundance. Sharing yeah. her pregnancy news with you. Like that's what life is about is those experiences, whether it's financial experiences, experiences with friends. Yes. Um, I do want to offer this to the listeners and maybe perhaps you too, because I love that you shared the example of your friend sharing that she was pregnant with you and what came up for you. Um, there is a, there is a need and there's a lot to unpack here, but there is a need, especially for white women to feel special. And if a friend's life is going to change, like where are you still going to be special to that person? Like, obviously a baby is really, really special. And so that comes up as well. Um, That was literally one of the, before I made it about me, I made it about me again, thinking like, is she still going to call me every day, FaceTime me every day, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's so real. I'm going to be sitting with a lot today. (laughs) And it's just the action step. (laughs) you know, here comes the white guilt where I'm like, oh, I feel like such an asshole that she's the one that had to like teach this to me and I couldn't figure it out for myself. Like what a waste of your time, you know, and then I go down that rabbit hole that, so I do appreciate that you specifically call out white women a lot. And when we, you know, in the pre-interview questions, you said that you wanted to talk about this. And I was so grateful because I don't want to just say, oh, I have a black woman on my podcast, like teach me this poor white girl, everything I need to know. Uh, Like, that's not my intention. My intention is to find somebody that has a beautiful and authentic audience that's created a business and abundance doing what they love and how I can learn from them. And today, this is, what happened to be what I needed to learn. Also, uh, you know, everything about money is, is a much bigger conversation, but, um, I'm just very grateful and also feel like an asshole. And I think that that's okay. Um, and that that's where we're supposed to be right now. And I said to my husband, before we got on this, I, I showed him a couple of your stories and he was like, good luck. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, no, I'm asking for this. You know, I'm asking to have these conversations and I'm just grateful that you're willing to work with white women in this way. Um, because sadly, um, we need to be woken up. 
uh, a lot. So I'm just, I'm very grateful for the work that you're doing. And um, I wanted to end by talking about your Money Makers course um, and program. And I've been looking into it all morning and it's like a totally killer price point, by the way, you should probably be charging more. Um, but I tell everybody that uh, with the value. And um, I'd love to hear more about it and how we can connect with you, work with you, all the calls to action, how we can find more of you. Yes, thank you so much for asking. Um, so Moneymakers is a program. It's a monthly membership, 20 bucks a month, definitely affordable, definitely accessible. Um, and the, I, the intention is to give our members the tools they need to make money and make a difference. So this is not for anyone that still feels like they need to walk on eggshells around their white privilege. We ask that you own that and we work with you through that. Um, and it's, you know, I'm biased. It's a great program though. It's really distilled everything that I've learned as a financial expert. I mean, working with folks who are billionaires to folks that are struggling trying to make ends meet. And it does walk you through how to create a solid, solid financial foundation for yourself from the inside out, um, looking at your money mindset, your money aura, which is your energetic field around money. That got and, me really excited. Yes, it's huge. Um, and then, yeah, giving you the tactical tools around, especially if you're a solopreneur, what does it mean to manage your own books and send out invoices, what's that cadence? Um, yeah, so you can learn more about that on moneymimosas.com and I hope that you join, it'd be fun to have you. Yeah, I want to. I think that I really like your approach to business. Um, I feel a lot of resonance in that. I like to say that for me, it's half spirituality, half strategy. And by spirituality, I mean my intuition, my self-care practices, my prayers, my rituals, all of those practices that I have. And then it's the strategy of launching something, sales pages, lead pages, sales funnels, um, pricing offers, all that stuff. Um, and where those two intersect is where my work lies. And I feel such a resonance with your work. It's so much about the feminine and spirituality and intuition and self-worth and psychological um, meets um, these tactical strategies and tools. And so I just really appreciate that. And I really appreciate you and your time. Um, what's, can you also just share how we can find you on Instagram and socials? Sure. Yeah. So you can find all of my social media handles on money and mimosas. Money mimosas right. And then, yeah, my Instagram's there, YouTube, all the things. Yeah. I can't recommend following her enough. And, um, checking out all that she has to offer. This is so needed. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you um, for your time. I'm honored to share the space with you. Um, yeah. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. This was a beautiful conversation. Thank you. Yeah, it really was. And to all my listeners, thank you for being here. Uh, thank you for evolving with me as I evolve on this podcasting journey. And until next time, keep growing. <laughs>